put yourself in a position where you can't retreat, where it's do or die, sink or swim. Here's what you'll find out. You'll develop incredible swimming skills. You'll find yourself stroking unlike you've ever seen before. Through the inspiration of desperation, you'll become more creative than ever before. Throw your whole self into it. All you can do is all you can do. And all you can do is enough. But make sure you do all you can do. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Burning the Boats. Uh, here you've got Bill Phillips and Tim Blodgett. And, you know, introducing today's guest, uh, who is Brian Manley. And we're very, very excited to have him on the, uh, on the podcast today. Uh, he sits down with Jason to kind of go through his story and, um, and all that he's been through to become, you know, what he is today in the entrepreneur world. And for us, for me, you know, I've gotten to know Brian a little bit through uh, our legacy family mastermind, um, but really stands out to me. You know, Brian went up in our last event in Scottsdale and he got up on stage and he presented to the whole group of 200 and some people there. And he just owned the room and it's clear in everything that, that Brian says and does. He's just a genuine guy. He comes across that way. He's funny. Um, he doesn't take anything too seriously. And I think that really comes through, you know, in everything you hear today. So we're really excited about this, Tim. You know, what'd you think about this episode? Yeah, man, I was fortunate enough to be able to sit in um, and kind of listen to it. So I don't want to do too many spoiler alerts, but uh, also like you, fortunate to know Brian through Legacy Family. Um, him and his wife, just tremendous people, uh, super authentic, genuine. Um, one of the things that I really loved about the interview is that he talked about, you know, the different trials and tribulations that he's gone through in real estate. Also prior to getting into real estate, right, on his uh, corporate side and how he had a lot of successes there and how that transitioned him into real estate and where he is today. So again, without ruining it, I think uh, the guests are in for, for an exciting podcast and they'll learn a lot about, about Brian and his story. So. Yeah. And I agree. And I'll add to that as somebody who comes from the W2 world and listening to Brian talk, you know, a lot of people want to rush out of this W2 and, and be entrepreneurs um, and really not look back. But as, as you know, Brian, goes about his his business he always talks about how much he learned from his career right and how much he learned from that and and how that turned you know different circumstances and experiences in his in his previous careers what they've translated to in the entrepreneur world so he always uses things he's gone through to help him build upon and it's it's just a great story to hear um i won't belabor it we hope you enjoy this episode and enjoy this uh this talk with brian manley and jason seward on burning the boats Brian Manley, welcome to Burning the Boats, my man. Appreciate it, my guy. Excited yeah. to be here, man. No, I'm I'm fired up to have you, man. I um, you know, you you and I met probably a year ago. I think we met in Puerto Rico at a legacy event. Yeah. Uh that would have been last February. Yeah. And um, man, quickly it didn't take long for me to realize that you're a real dude, man. And uh, you know, I mean that seriously, and it and that that mastermind, you know, it, it's it's good for so many people, and and obviously Tim Broth, we we both love him to death. But yeah. what what I get most out of it is, like, I've been in it about a year and a half now. All the additional mentors that I've uh, and that I've picked up along the way, sure. and you're certainly one of them, man. And and to be honest, we haven't spent that much time together, but when we do, it's quality conversation, quality time. Sure. And you, you've had a big big impact on me, man. So. Uh, so we'll we'll get right into it, man. Um, 
we'll, we'll start off. I'm not going to give a big introduction. I'm going to let you do that yourself. Um, so, you know, you go where you want, but if you could just kind of take us through like where you come from, how you got to where you are now, and then we'll kind of dig into the weeds a little bit from there. So. Okay. I'll keep the, where I come from part real super short. It's a, yeah. uh, it's probably the origin story of a lot of entrepreneurs who yeah. start off didn't have much decided I want a little bit more than that. And the, the windy path takes you to where you end up. Right. Um, so grew up, didn't know any college educated people, any entrepreneurs, didn't know any of that stuff, just did all the standard stuff that we do, you know, go to work, all that good stuff. Um, found my way in corporate America years back. It's pretty good in sales, but still found, I found myself getting fired a few times because I find out I probably have a better knack at running stuff than being told right. what to do. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I always kind of knew that. Um, had a complete meltdown, lost everything a few years back. And then it was kind of one of those, you started me down the path. Well, I was telling you when we met that you're brave, man. You're way braver than me. It took me getting fired my third time to finally right. go, maybe I should do my own thing versus right, what I have right. to lose at this point versus people going in. So right now I like to, I call myself a real estate investor, but I do so many different things in real estate, all really kind of predicated around having a lifestyle and not being bogged down and just being driven by what's next to what I make, but more of just appreciating the day every day. How do I make it a good day? You know, and yep. then that's kind of really central to everything I do is if I don't want to do it, I don't do it unless it's part of what I want to do. That yep. makes sense at all. Yeah. And you, you, you had to build to that. Like that didn't happen overnight. You know, you had oh, to yeah, build sure. to, to that. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And you know what? Sometimes I think I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes I probably don't say that to people. Like when I first started out, it was 15, 16 hour days, you know, six days, sometimes seven days a week, sleeping on the floor at some of our projects, you know, getting cheated out a little bit money here and there. Um, all the things that, you know, probably a mentor would have helped me not do so much. Right. Of. Right. Um, but, you know, yeah, it wasn't always like that. I, I knew at, from the beginning where I wanted to go, though, just some of the books and things that I'd read. But I just didn't know how to get there. Right. So, so yeah, this, this is a good vehicle for me. And and you're, you know, obviously the theme and the name of the podcast is burning the boats. Well, like you alluded to, you got fired a couple of times, but your your boat, your boat, your final boat kind of got burned for you. And then you just said oh, hell sure. that I'm going all in. So, I mean, tell us that story because it, it's, yeah. uh, it's a good story. So the, the third time, so I'd won probably four, five president's clubs in a few different industries, right? Like it was good at sales, right? This last position I took, and I, I tended to only work at places that needed help um, because I like building things. I like fixing things, which is part of why the other jobs, once I start fixing things and it was kind of going against the grain, it was like, eh, you got to do that somewhere else. Yeah. So this last situation, actually, I, I got called down. Uh, company was based out of Tucson. It's about two hours south of Phoenix. Get called down to have a meeting. Talk to a buddy of mine that I met there. We'd both been there about six months. Now, they tell us when they hire us, it's going to take you about a year to get good at this job. Okay. Six months in, I get called down. He and I are talking. I get down to Tucson. I don't see his car. And I'm asking, hey, where's Bob? So I said, and they go, he's not here. And I thought it was strange because I was talking to him on the drive down. As soon as I go inside, I see the HR lady. I go, oh, <laughs> that's what this is. So yeah. the interesting part about that is myself and my partner both have lost our jobs in back-to-back days. So I think it was May 23rd and May 24th, back-to-back days. So we're yeah. both, you know, she, she's out of a job. I'm out of a job. And it was kind of the perfect, well, do we want to do this again? You know, I'm looking at staring at 40 going, do I want to be in a position where I start over again? So it was really that boat just got somebody came with a can of gas, invited me down. And I can't even blame them for doing it. They hired a guy with 20 years experience with a book of business, 
that cost less than the three of us. They let us go. It was a good business decision. But that yeah. was the aha that, hey, this is just business. And uh, if it's just business, no matter how much you liked and how much you do, you can find yourself there again. You know, how slow are you? It's been three times. Maybe maybe we don't let maybe we don't find <laughs> ourselves there again. So. Right. You know. Yeah. So you, you kind of took that and that, like you said, that was kind of the, the final straw or the final sign, like yeah. you, you, where you had to kind of take back control yourself. Right. Yeah. And, 100%. Uh, yeah. And then um, and we'll get to where you built this thing, too. But you, you mentioned and you you spoke on stage. Um, Phoenix, we were uh, right in your backyard and we were out yeah. there uh, a couple months ago. But you shared, you mentioned about sleeping on the floor at your rental or your flip houses. I saw the pictures, evidence of that. That is not just smoke you're blowing up people's butt. You actually did that. And yeah. uh, you and Rita both. And um, to, to go from there, you know, that, that initial grind, and you were doing a lot of the work yourself, right? I mean, you were yeah. hands-on, all yeah. in, in on that business. When, as you were, how long did it take the... I guess the light bulb to come on to realize like I've got to create systems if I truly want to get my time back, if I want that freedom and flexibility. Dude. So, you know what? I kind of knew it going on. I had no idea how, to, you know, it's treading water for a lot, right? It's boomer bust. You make some money, but you've lived off of not having money for months. So it's not really money that you have because yeah. you know, you're like, so, but it was probably somewhere in, in between year two and three. And um, it was a, you know, it took a pretty good trajectory to where a lot of the people that, you know, I'd met just at different meetups and everything got to the point where I, I felt like they weren't able to help me anymore. And we we kind of grown past, you know, a lot of what was happening there. But it was still that same boom and bust, boom and bust. And it was like, I just want to get out of this. Like, I don't right. like feeling like oh, I've got a lot of money and then I don't have any money at all. Like, I, so that was really the I think we had to do enough projects um, before we finally realized that. And uh I, the other thing too is being able to have more than just hey, like I realize if they're flips me, I got to be there, right? That the way right. we were doing it, I'm like I didn't set out to be there. I don't even know how to do half of this stuff. I was making it up and then hiring right. guys to fix my mess ups, you know, things like that. So it was a lot of it was a lot of just getting out there and getting out of the mud. But that was probably probably in between year and two and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I mean, I mean you you went through pretty in detail, you know, when and and I. I'm talking about when you got on stage there in Phoenix, um, you know, and I, every speaker we heard that week was good. You know, it was good. I, I got value from all of them. I would say myself and just about everybody I talked to got the most value of you talking about your systems, how you run your team, how you, you bring on employees and how you retain them and how you build a culture that people don't want to leave. They're not looking for other jobs. You take care of them. Um, and man, that, that, the way the world is now, it, everything's so, so quick to just get rid of things and go into the next thing. But you've developed this, this foundation, this culture that people want to be around you. Hell, I want to be around you. You know, if I was out there, I'd figure out a way to get into your, uh, your ecosystem. But did, did, is that something that came natural to you or did you eventually have to lean on mentors and education and things like that to learn how to build these systems and cultures. So do the systems completely leaning on other, uh, other people reading books and things like that. It was a lot of trial and error, right? Like it took se seven years to build out a lot of that stuff. I think the leadership part, I think, I think I always kind of had a knack and gravitated towards, but I, I, I just wasn't good at it. You know, I, I kind of, I could get people in there, but I, 
it just wasn't good because I think I was expecting me out of other people, you know, and then I did it understand for a long time, you know, at the crux of everything, how people want to feel and talking to different people differently, even though you maintain a standard for everybody. It's not a one size fit all. Um, and I'm glad you said that because Steve, my boy, Steve was there. Too. He's one of the speakers. Yeah, Steve. yeah so he's great. Yep. Yeah, he's great. But, you know, he and I talk shit to each other all the time. Man. So yeah. um, I, I, I got to mention him. Uh, just messing with him because that's what we do. But, man, yeah, it was I think the biggest thing about it was I took a lot of what I didn't like in corporate and tried to get rid of it. Like there was a lot of stuff that I liked. So I had about 15 years of corporate experience before starting this. There was a lot of stuff that made sense. So I knew I needed systems. I had no idea where to start, how to build them. Didn't know if they were any good. Didn't have anybody to bounce them off. So that's where a lot of the trial and error came. Yeah. Um, and messed up some stuff, made some bad hires, but I, but I, I knew um, it took some time to get to where I knew it was like, okay, we got a good groove. We got a good yeah. groove. That was a lot of trial and error, man. I just knew from the beginning I needed to get better. I didn't know how yeah. to get better, but I was fortunate enough to know I got to continue to get better if I want to hire better folks, man. So. Yeah, and you, you mentioned something that kind of rings true with me. Um, so I was in the corporate world for 17 years um, in sales and then sales management. But one thing I was very guilty of is something you just said. You, you, I had done really well with sales myself, right? And I, I had in my mind that I knew the perfect way to do it, right? <laughs> my way was the right way. Right. So once I had a team of sales agents under me, I was for about a year, all I focused on was trying to teach them how to be like me. Yeah. Right. And that's that's an arrogant way to approach it. it, yeah. and, it and it doesn't get results. And somebody yeah. gave me the book. It's called Strength Finder. And, and the book talks about focusing on what people are good at and building yeah. that up rather than focusing on what they're not good at and spending all your effort trying to get them to be something they're not. Yeah. And that switched the script. For me, man, like, and and from that point on, as a leader, I, I I'll scrap everything that I think is right, and I just look at what are you good at? Are you good at talking to people? Are you are you organized? Are you detailed? Are you not? And we lean in on whatever that good thing is. Yeah. It sounds like that you took that same approach, you know. Dude, so, so it's interesting. You mentioned that book, right? So I did Strength Finders when I was in pharmaceutical sales, man, going okay. way, way, way back. And it was yeah. kind of one of the guys that ended up having to fire me was actually one of my favorite boss ever. Um, but it was a lot of that in that Strength Finders. He used to come and say to me, he goes, I'm not trying to catch you doing anything bad. I'm trying to catch you doing good things. Right. I'm not looking for the bad. And I, it was the first time anybody ever said that to me, you know, where right. you know, it was always the bosses. There's an oppositional relationship, you know, and this was, no, you, you're the star. I support. I help guide. You know, we have parameters. I'm going to help you be like the bumpers on the side, you know, when you bowl. But yeah. it was a lot of that. We're like, this is what you're good at. And we're going to have you do more of that. And it was, right. oh, well, I, I could do that with other people. I just had to try to figure out how to figure that out with what folks were. But yeah, yeah, dude, like, yeah, it's it's super arrogant to think you can just make everybody like you. Right. Well, and, you, it, and, it, and it helped me, too, because I spent so many years trying to fix weaknesses I have. Yeah. You know, so I'd spend 80% of my time trying to fix the things that I do, like at a 20% level, yeah. rather than just leaning all in on the things I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Yeah. Like, so now in business and as an entrepreneur, the whole foundation of what we're doing is I, I'm trying to plug those holes that I'm not very good at with the rock stars in those areas. And I can just focus on what I do, you know, yeah. and that, that, that just exponentially 
scales everything, you know. So. Isn't it crazy how it feels less like work when you stop doing the stuff that you don't like at right. work? Right, but, right, right. Yeah. Like, like I realized for me, like, I, I, so what you said to that when you realize things you're not good at, like, I follow up on certain things, right? Like we, like sending mail, right? right. Early on, <laughs> right. I remember was going to send you like mail. And my mailman hates me. One day he's going to put like a pipe bomb in the mailbox because I never check my mail. Whenever I go, it's like yep. it's big. So Same I know way. Yep. My wife has bought my mail. Who knows? But I, I know my mailman doesn't like me, but I can never remember to send it. And I was like, yeah, we're going to send mail every so many weeks. I think we sent like two cycles. Right. And then it was like six months. And I was like, you know, this is probably not something I'm going to do. You know, and yep. it was kind of a accepting, like, I'm defeated in that. I, I ain't going to do it. You know, I want to, yeah. but I'm going to do it. And it's, you know, finding somebody else who, like some of the stuff, it's crazy when you find that people actually like doing things you don't like doing, like they enjoy right. it. Yep. It, it, it goes back to that when you think nobody's going to like this because you don't like it. And some people like things that I don't like. Right. It's eye opening. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of the world. You know, it's, it's supposed to be that way. If we all liked and were good at the same things, then we'd be running into each other. I mean, it wouldn't be good, you know. Yeah. So it, it what keeps it interesting. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, like I said, I think that leaning into those strengths, the things you're good at, you're so, it makes you just so much more free and fluid and just able to do your job. And you mentioned earlier, and I actually coincidentally was thinking about this earlier because of a conversation I had with, with one of my friends earlier. Um, now that I'm starting to get momentum, as an entrepreneur, you know, again, I've been under that corporate umbrella for so, so many years. I'm a little over a year into being on my own, starting to get a little momentum. And with that momentum, yeah, I'm grinding. I'm grinding hard, but I do it at my pace when I want to. Um, and I, I spend and I'm, I'm vocal about it. I'm public about it of how much time I get to spend with my family now, my wife and kids. Right. And a lot of people look down on that. And I, I, I can't comprehend looking down on that because everybody wants that. The whole time I was in the corporate world and you too, you were working for a couple things. Number one, income, right? You're, you're trying to make an income so that you can provide, you can be a provider, but they had full control of your time and, and where your focus had to be and stuff like that. Nobody in that type of world. Now, some people just aren't cut out to go on their own and that's fine. But nobody wants to be controlled by a corporation, right? For sure. And the folks that have the resilience and the, I guess, the gall to try it and go out on their own, like you have done, like I have done, um, we're doing it because we ultimately, we're going to grind, but we ultimately want to get to a point where it only takes 10 hours a week to run the ship, right? So yeah. we, can, we can have that time to do what we want and what life's about. You live that more than anybody I've met, man. I mean, like you, from, from what I can understand, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what, man? I, so, you know what's crazy, man, when you say the control thing? Because I always feel bad if I say this to people. I usually only sit behind closed doors because, like, I realize it wasn't my primary driver in wanting to be an entrepreneur was control, man. It wasn't stuff I wanted to buy. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't even, like, provide for folks or to have extra things, man. I realized at my core, it was, I didn't like being controlled, man. Like I yep. just, I just, I just couldn't function that way. You know, and it was, I wanted to create, I wanted to improve things. Um, you mentioned about like working at your own pace, right? I used to work, but right. 
Like yesterday, I worked about like eight o'clock, but I was at this cool little bar doing it. You know, yeah. fire pits. You know, listening right. to music. It didn't feel like work at all. I was just hanging out. I'm shooting the shit with the people that are there. Um, and I realized you, I'll get much more out of myself doing it when and how I want to do it. Um, and that goes back to kind of like how I try to create for my, my team is I know if I hate being controlled like that and I knew it, maybe I'm an extreme case and people like you admit, but like trying to back off of that a little bit and saying, here's where we got to go. You get there how you get there. I'm going to help. Here are resources. Um, right. Yeah, man. It's it's. I think I think being able to just be where I want to be, that was like the greatest gift. When I want to be there and how I want to be there, and I, I, that was at the crux of everything for me. Man. Yeah, and, and you you've created something that I, obviously I'm I'm striving for, but it's it's the ability. It's just like you said it. You were at a cool bar hanging out, but you were working. You were getting work work done, and because you were so relaxed and in a good just positive environment, you were way more efficient and effective with the work, but yeah. you can do your job. You set up a structure that allows you to do your job, whether you're out in the Bahamas. I know you like snorkel and scuba dive and do all that stuff. Yeah. You can do that anywhere in the world and still run the ship. Right. And you've yeah. got pieces. And, and that's like, that's the ultimate goal. That is for, for anybody like you, you can, the money, the money is just a tool. Right. Like you need the money. We Anybody that says they're, they're not somewhat motivated by money, they're, they're looking at it the wrong way. You have to have the money as a tool to do the things that. So whatever motivates you, whether it's more time with family or traveling, it all takes money to pay the bills and pay the travel expenses. So um, but you can make that. And you've set up a structure to make that no matter where you're at, what you're doing and the best sign of a leader is a leader that can step away for a month and nobody even knows he's gone or she's gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you, you've said that before and I think you've built something that powerful, you know, yeah, dude. let me tell you, I got Friday. So I had one-on-ones with three of my team on Friday. And the last one was uh typically if we go to lunch, it's just a wrap. Like the day is over because we're going to be there five hours. We have, you got like, so they're usually on Friday. So right. Enough, we start at one o'clock and we left, I think it was like six when we left. Um, you know, a few old fashions, some other good stuff in there. And, uh, you know, the greatest compliment, man, was my guy, you know, sales guy I'm talking to, he says, he's been with me four years. And he says, we believe in you 100%. If you say this is what we're doing and this is the goal, we're all standing up. We believe it. We're going. Like, you just tell us what you need from us. And if we have exactly. the two, like, we'll get there. And he's, because I, I, I had told him, I said, I plan on being absentee probably by the end of the year, where I pop in some other stuff. And he's like, we're with you. And that right. that meant so much to me because even, even when you're leading the ship, sometimes you have doubt, right? Are we ready to do this? Is this a goal that is everyone going to be on board? Even you're the leader, but you can still have a mutiny, right? Like firing yeah, ships. Right. You, you, you know, if you start changing things too much, you still need people to buy in, man. And it was really, it was really, really cool for somebody just to basically say, hey, man, you earned it. Like, yeah, our lives are different because of what you guys have built and like we're in it. You tell us what to do, man. That, yeah. You almost, you know what I mean? I can be a crybaby, man. That almost got me. Yeah. yeah well, I think you and I have shared a couple of tears too. We won't get into those details, but yeah, no, I, I get it, man. And that is powerful um, because you are. And, and like, again, I said, we all money is, is kind of that primary motivator for everybody. I don't care if they say there it's not, but for me, again, I, I look at it as a tool. 
one of my biggest motivators is to have an impact. And it sounds like you're wired that way too. And you having one of your team members tell you that, dude, we'll go to the end of the earth with you. You do what you got to do. We'll trust you. We believe it. Like you've had an impact on that, that the reason he or she is following you, that just, yeah. I mean, they're so connected to you is because you've created the value that gives them value, gives everybody in that, that bubble value. And um, kudos to you for that, man. I, I, um, you know, that's, that's ultimately, and that you talk about the corporate world, not, you know, not having control. Um, I understand that. Like, I understand this corporation, most corporations are bureaucratic and you just kind of have to play by the rules. But I couldn't either, man. I, it, it ate me up because you have all these ideas that you think, man, I feel like this would make things better. But, you know, it, in order to make it better in a big corporation, you're right. It would take a mutiny, you know, to, to yeah. and it just doesn't work that way. But to be able to just have that influence on folks, man, I'm excited to build something where I can. But I want to spend a little bit of time, Brian, on what what you have ultimately built now your bit the the base or foundation of your business is a wholesaling and flipping operation is that correct yeah right and you you've got some buy and hold some rentals and and whatnot yeah right? yeah yep so you have i think it's important for people to know this you came from literally when was it that you lost your job that last time may uh it's march or may 2015 Okay, so we're talking about an eight, almost nine year year period here. You went from no experience in real estate or very little? None, yeah, none. Yeah, none. To jumping in the house. That I shouldn't have, that I didn't know any, I didn't know any better, that lost money every month and it got yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? right. So that was, yeah. But I, I, want, I want people to understand that it's certainly not an overnight thing, but no matter where they are in their careers, whether they're 40 years old, like I was and like you were when you, you walked away, um, or they're just out of college looking to build something. In an eight year period, you went from knowing not a single thing about real estate to now you've learned all the, all the stuff and you've made all the mistakes, but now you have essentially your own corporation that is in how many different markets? Uh, we just finished our 87th or 88th city. 88 cities across the country yeah. that you have teams in that are wholesaling, buying property, you know, acquisitions, dispositions, contractors in every city. Um, or most of them, I know you got a couple cities that y'all do more flipping and buying and holding, right? Yeah. So we don't have yeah. team in most of those. It's okay. Everything is remotely done. So we've got our core guys. We got some guys down in Florida, some guys in Georgia, and some guys in North Carolina that we in Ohio that we really love. That we can go just handle this, and most of it they run with it. Okay. A lot of it is if it's a small minor flip, we build on the fly. Boom, we build. Folks get out. We have a real good system of vetting who's going to be able to do what, keeping track, and we just run with it. So we've wholesaled in those eighty-seven. We flip in. I think we flipped in probably about 25, 30 cities. Um, yeah. I don't see yeah. 98%, 99% of the houses ever. I don't know the addresses, the rentals. Dude, I'll tell you what was an aha moment for me, man. It's about four years ago. I was still on the phone and I'm talking to this guy trying to buy one of his properties. 
And I mentioned the address, and the guy said, this dude's a douche, right? He said, ah, which house are you calling about? I don't, and I mentioned one, he goes, oh, I forgot I had that one. And I yeah. thought, who the hell forgets to have a house? Yeah. Right? Like, this bull, nobody forgets to have a house. And I recently <laughs> forgot that I had a house. Right, right. <laughs> You're <laughs> that guy now, right? And I yeah. was like, this guy is full of it. It's down in Alabama. I was like, forgot all about it. We got to do something with it. You know what yeah. it was? It was just a, oh. So, like, a lot of times you get stuff and you're not ready to receive it when you hear it. And years yeah. later, kind of like your parents told you, you know, do these things. And then you're yeah. like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But right. yeah, I mean, that's most of it is. So what we do is, um, I mean, we got some bond holds. And I, like I mentioned to the, uh, at the uh, presentation, in a two and a half year span. So we started out flipping and then we got tired of paying big assignments. So we started trying to find our own properties. We had a deal where the wholesaler made more than we did. We made 30K, they made 31. Right. I said, okay, do I think I could take this 30K and maybe get one other deal myself? And that was really the springboard. Start finding deals ourselves. Got our first wholesale that was up in uh, Lake Havasu, which is about a four-hour drive from here. Flipped the uh, wholesale that made 25K on that one. And I said, oh, well, I could do it a four-hour drive away. I could do it a four-hour flight away. Didn't see it either way. And that was kind of the start of that. But it was really just trying to find our own flips. And then there was an aha that went off. And we're getting deals in places we didn't know how to do or that we weren't interested in. We start selling them. And that started the the wholesale arm of things. And then we said, okay, well, let's leapfrog and go to North Carolina. And then it just kind of spread out. So it wasn't until probably about year five, it was like, okay, let's just start buying some of these things. Probably year four and a half, year five. And so in a two and a half year period, bought enough single families, um, some small multis to hang it up. If you say, hey, I don't want to work anymore. Yeah. There's enough rents coming in and just what we kept in that two and a half year period. And I think back to, well, if I knew this, Years and years and years ago. I mean, how different would it have been? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and the the fact that you did realize that though, because I mean, there's a lot of very successful wholesaling flipping operations out there, right, all over the country. You're you're obviously one of them, um, but that's an engine that has to keep being fed, right? It just it can't stop. Yeah. And so the it's kind of like your fast money, right? It, yeah. it turns, it turns, and turns, and you don't. You don't put logs on that fire. It's nothing. It's not spitting anything out. The buy and hold, you know, which like two and a half years ago, y'all went in on that. Now you're now that once it's done, and that rental starts coming in. I mean, it's a few maintenance things here and there, but you pay property managers to do that. That is the mailbox money, making money while you sleep, all of that, and um, you know that. And I just I keep going back to we're talking eight years, you know, if if <laughs> of from the time you didn't know anything to where you're at now. And now you can do whatever the hell you want, wherever the hell you want, but you do it still with a servant's heart. You're still taking care of your team. You're making sure everybody's taken care of in your circle. Um, and you've built this in eight years, you know? And I, I just want people to understand that no matter what age, whether you're 40, 50, or 18, this is real. This is real deal. We're lo you're looking at it right now, you know. So, hey, dude, let me tell you, the eight years is kind of a, it should have an asterisk, right? Because that first year it was one flip, right? Because you know what we're doing. Yeah. And it was a super easy flip. It was easy, and we lost fifty k on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It was easy. When I look back now, we just wholesale and done nothing to it. It was immaculate. It's the cleanest one I've ever seen to this day. And we thought, okay, because of the flipping shows, you got to redo everything. So we redid everything that was all in good condition. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was like there was a blessing there. Right. Because 
I don't like think about it. If, you, if from your job, you knew you lost 50 K and you had to work to repay that. Like how long right. did it take you to do that? Right. So I was like, right. well, you got to do another one. Like that was really the, okay, do another one because going and working to pay this back, it's going to take forever. That second year we did a really big flip. Now that took 11 months and then we did another small one. So there's only a couple in that second year. It wasn't until year three. It was like, boom, 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 boom. We're running because they were really slow. We're figuring it out. We yeah. didn't even know the idea that you can go and partner with people and learn and take less time. Didn't even realize you can do that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's. You hit on something pretty quick there, but that, that is usually the stopping point for most people in this business. That very first one that they, they take a blow to the chin on, you know, and you did. And most people say, screw this. I'm going home or I'm going to find a job. Um, so just right out of the gate. And, and that's just something that you either have or you don't as a human being. And you can build it up, but that is resilience. Like yeah. the the ability to almost welcome adversity. I, I don't know if you're that way or not. I certainly am. Like I, if things get too good in my life and things are too good in business, I'm like, we got to shake some stuff up here. I'm not yeah. pushing hard enough or something, you know, yeah. and you, are you similar to that? I mean, do yeah, you and I'm also looking yeah. for like, where's this torpedo going to come from? Uh, yeah, right. Right. right, right, uh, right, <laughs> right. But I, it's, it's almost like, I mean, yeah. you get, you get bored when things get smooth flowing a little bit, you know, and, uh, but, and a lot of people just can't handle, um, or they haven't done whatever they needed to do to be able to handle adversity you lose $50,000 on a, on your first flip and you don't have a job. Yeah. That's some serious adversity, man. Yeah. And most people tuck their tail and go, go back to work. And yeah. you went back to work on yourself and your business and made like learn from the mistakes and kept going. And I'm sure, sure you've lost on deals since then, but further you go, the, the better yeah. you do. I would think so. Dude, I ran, I ran our numbers and we've won on 98.7% of all our deals. Beautiful. Yeah. But but we double overwrite, we double underwrite every deal. Yeah. Right? Two different things and then compare, like every single one, unless it's a no-brainer home run. Right. Um, Rita's real good at finding, oh, this is a flood zone. We should probably not do this one. You know, real yeah. good at getting the granular. Yeah. But it's only because we're very careful. And I'm going to tell you, man, I want to take credit and say, hey, it was just this 50K in my mind went to this. That stems from when back when the previous time when I lost everything. Right. And so right. I thought nothing that I'm going to go through now here losing this 50K compares to the shit I already went through. Yeah. Right. right? So it was like, okay, it's just, it's money. But before it was like my health got bad. I was, couldn't walk. My house is going to foreclosure. Health insurance is running out. You know, all had, you know, less than a dollar in the bank. So this one thing was like, right. it was you know, it kind, of got, kind of got grizzled. You just saw it. Yeah. It's just resilience. But going through stuff, tell people you're not going to avoid it. That flip that took 11 months the next year. We got sued for something that the contractor did and they right. ended up thinking probably, I don't know, probably only about 20% what we would have because we had to settle even though we didn't do anything wrong. Like it was right out of the gate blows. Yeah. Um, but I saw too many other guys who were doing it, you know, and I said, okay, this works. I was listening to stuff that reinforced how I thought, you know, some old, old, you know, podcasts I listened to, um, books that I read. So it was always reinforcing. And then looking at other guys going, well, this guy's doing it. I know I can do this. I'm just doing something wrong. And it's not that this doesn't work. I'm doing something wrong. Right. So introspection and going, okay, I'm, I'm making mistakes. Yeah. That was really said, okay, I can stop making the mistakes. I just kind of learn what they are, but I got to stop making the mistakes. And that was really, I think, the driver behind this knowing it's not that this doesn't work. I just did something wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's, and, and you know, it, you did, you fixed it, and now you're rolling. And you mentioned uh, Rita earlier. I mean, I'm talking to you, but we all know who the real rock star of this uh, this team yeah. is. <laughs> so um, I know she she and you both, uh, I mean, y'all y'all are a powerhouse couple uh, doing powerhouse things. But I, I and that kind of, I'll segue into, you know, one, one question we like to ask everybody, and I'm, I'm sure Rita is on this list, but you may have some others, but who, who are like some superheroes in your movie, man? Like, you know, the movie of Brian Manley, who are some superheroes? Like some folks that I've met along the way. Yeah. That have played that, whether they have saved your life, they've saved, they've helped change your course or just made an Im big impact personally or professionally on you. Yeah. So one of those, man, I got, I got to definitely say Rita's one of them. Yeah. Right? Um, and I got to give her props on that, man, because when I was losing everything, I couldn't even afford to get my grass cut. You know, she's yeah. already when I was pulling grass, you know, right. pulling weeds. You know, I couldn't buy gas. You know, yeah. she's not sure I got like early on just saying, hey, I'm going to dig in there and get this through, even in the flips, digging and get down. So that's one of them. Um, you know, the a friend of mine who loaned me money to get to my first mastermind didn't have the money. He was flipping money here, money. I was just with him on Sunday watching the game. And uh, my boy Milan, shout out to him. He was a the, like there's some interpersonal like personal connections where folks and a lot of my friends get gathered around. And I'll say professionally in this space, early on, Sean Terry and Kent Clothier were guys that mm -hmm. you know I that I didn't even know who they were. I saw something on Facebook and drove to San Diego and realized one of them lives here in Phoenix. I was just so disconnected, but just the idea that was what planted the seed. Going, hey, I can sell property I don't even own um, contracts, and that was that. So that was. That was one of the big changes yeah. um, for, you know, for me. So I think I think if I've got to give my three, all three of those dots were instrumental in, hey, this is the direction where you're going now is, hey, I met these guys here. I met these guys here. Um, and then one other guy, there was a guy named Alan Langston who ran the local RIA here. His first guy to put me on stage somewhere, um, guy that had been doing real estate for 50 years. And I can tell he just kind of liked me. To me, to, I was a young guy to him because he'd been doing it for so long. I wasn't a young, young guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I felt like he kind of unofficially took me under his wing a little bit and showed me some things and just connected me to folks. And um, I think those four people, none of this, none of this is happening without those yeah. four. All right. No, I, I love it, man. And, and you know, I, <laughs> you may not lean into this or, or want to. Um, recognize it, but you're one of those people, man. Like you, you are, you have a lot of influence. And I've told you that before. And and just little conversations you and I have both about business practices and then our personal lives and stuff like that. But um, you, and it isn't fake. It is not fake. Like you, you genuinely. I I came into a legacy family, a very small fish relative to the y'all big whales in that room, you know, and. You spent just as much time with your arm around me, helping me through a couple things as you would have spent with somebody with super big pockets that might be able to invest in your company or something like that. So you, I just want to thank you for that publicly because that it, it means a lot to me. You and Rita both, y'all, y'all are good friends. Um, but and I alluded to it earlier, what you did on stage in Phoenix was powerful, man. And if you ever have the the desire to lean in on that part of it, man. You can have an influence. I know you can. So um, you know, it it's you're a good speaker. You got a lot of knowledge to share. And we just scratched the surface today on on, you know, you're you're being very humble, talking through quickly like what you've built, but you've built 
an empire or it's, it's still building, but, and you've done so through aggressive action, but just building systems and, and culture that anybody wants to be a part of. And I'm being redundant with that, but you, you, that's something that can be shared and people can get value out of. And I, and I hope people that don't know you get a chance to meet you and, and learn more from you. So, um, yeah, yep. And I, and one last thing I want to ask you, and I could talk to you, Brian, for hours. And, and what are you going to be in New Orleans? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, we'll have a good time there. So, uh, but what one thing I ask everybody is if you could give the listeners one practical thing they can take away from here, whether it's a book to read, a podcast, somebody on YouTube to go check out, just something that they can take away and go lean into that might help their lives personally, professionally. Dude, I will tell you, this is going to sound weird. It's going to be a weird answer. Okay. There was a, so when I was out of work for nine months a year, I found, I found myself uh, trying anything, you know, legal to make money. Found myself in network, network marketing. And yeah, I just couldn't get hired, right? Despite my resume. No, I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening in the world at the time, but it's right. this global thing. I was like, everybody wanted me just last year. And dude, I, I started listening to personal development like books. And there's this guy, old guy, this young guys probably don't know who he is, it's Jim Rohn. Oh yeah. And there was this audio that I listened to probably three, four times a week. It has nothing to do with what we're doing here, but it was the it was called Building Your Network Marketing Business. Uh, it's on YouTube now, it's like an hour long. Okay. It, there was something in there when the guy talked about the law of sowing and reaping. Right. Because I, I was like everybody else. Everything else I'd done was just quick. It worked. It worked. And it was plant, you know, you know, nurture, harvest. And it was like consistently. And it was the first time I got introduced to the concept of do a certain predictable thing over and over and over and over. And it it, it yields fruit. Right. I'd never right. just thought that way before. It was going out and being told no a certain number of times and just running numbers. And it was, it gave me the belief that I'm going, okay, so everybody's not just bettering me that all the stuff's working at. They go out and they go, okay, I'm doing this 15 times today. I'm doing this 15 times today. I'm doing this 15 times today. Over and over and over. And it was just being re-energized when I didn't have food in the fridge. And this guy just saying, hey, listen, this is how it works. And then most people, they get 80, 90% there and they stop. And they don't know they're 80 to 90% there. So me not knowing when I was at 90%, I always said, well, today could be the day I'm at, I hit 100. I don't know. So that was, a, that started me down the path of listening to different personal development books, personal books and, you know, business and all that stuff. That was like the gateway. And that, 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 I can honestly say listening to that was a life changing and mind altering. Um, and I just, I was pliable. I was at the right space in the right time in my life to where ego was, had already been beat up. Yeah. And it was, listen, listen to this. And so I think that was the number one for me, even though it's old. It's when you're going out, you're doing something that's not working. You don't think it's working, but it's working. Yeah, I like that. I, I, um, I've listened to and read a lot of Jim Rohn stuff. I haven't uh, heard that, so I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, it sounds very similar. There's one of my favorite books is The Compound Effect, and it's talking about the same thing, just repeatedly doing things. It's, it's kind of like um, the analogy of like you take a 50-gallon bucket or drum and drip water in it, just a drop a day. You know, after about a yeah. week, you ain't going to notice any water in it. But you do that for a year, two years, three years, things starts to fill up. And 
It's because that same action just builds and compounds. And yeah, it's, you nailed that, man. That, that's good stuff. So, um, and like I said, Brian, I, I could go on and on. I want to respect your time because it is your birthday, my man, and happy birthday. So Thank you, um, I hope I hope you and Rita got some some big plans this evening. Are, are you at home? Or are you in another country? I never know where you're at. So. Yeah, I'm at home, but the, okay. the, the plane is uh, in a few days. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And I, I look forward to seeing both you and Rita in New Orleans, man. And I, I appreciate the time. I, I, I can't, again, I know I'm being redundant. I can't tell you how much value you've had to me in just a few few times we've been together and a few conversations we've had. You've meant a lot. Um, I look forward to, you know, future. We we at least get to see each other two or three times a year at these legacy events. So I'll, I'll always look forward to that and um, maybe catching up with you whenever you're out in North Carolina or down, over on the East Coast. So, Brian, I appreciate you. And um, we're going to drop um, – your information, if you're if you're cool with that, like your social media stuff in the um in the show notes. I want everybody to check you out, and um, I know just within the last year or so, you've kind of leaned a little more into kind of posting a little bit more and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was a hermit for a long time. Yeah, I'm still right. semi hermit, but I'm coming out of it this year. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> good, man. You got a lot of valuable stuff to share, so keep sharing away. I love it. So, but uh, we'll we'll tie a bow around this, Brian. I appreciate your time, and um. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate you, bro. All right, man. All right. Nice to you. Well, this concludes another episode of Burning the Boats podcast. Hope y'all got as much value from that um, as I know I certainly did. Um, and continue to join us each week moving forward. We release episodes on um, every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, those are our interview-style podcasts. And then every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern um, is our weekly ramble. So we'd appreciate um, you know following you following along and sharing with your friends and you know if you could take a few seconds to whatever platform you're listening on um, hit the like and subscribe button uh, same on YouTube as well um, we're not doing this uh, for any type of monetary gain this we make nothing off this podcast but we're doing it more than anything else to provide value and hopefully connect people um with you know folks in our network and and whatnot so hope you enjoy that and you can always help us provide more value by getting it out to more folks um so please like and subscribe and share with all your friends as always the burning the boats podcast is presented by 608b capital um we are a short-term real estate lending fund um so if you have we offer investment opportunity for passive investors so if you have a need for that, please reach out. And we also offer, obviously, real estate loans for fix and flippers, buy and holders and whatnot. Um, so if you have any of those needs, um, all of our information will be down in the show notes. Um, but with that, we appreciate you listening or watching as always. And we'll see you next time on Burning the Boats podcast.